1: Hey guys, welcome in. It is hour number two here on the early line, sportsgrid.com. Joe Ranieri alongside Dane Martinez as we do our very best here to get you caught up with with everything that happened uh, over the weekend and of course the latest in the world of sports. And there was plenty of it going on uh, over the weekend. Uh, Folks got to enjoy a little wrestling. WrestleMania uh, took center stage for a lot of folks. Uh, We also... Of course, horse racing uh, continue, uh, continuing there to be something that uh, a lot of sports betters have been able to uh, fall back upon and uh, starting to love, and that's continuing to grow, which is great to see. Uh, and I do think also there is is there an interesting dichotomy going on right now with horse racing and their ability to have continued throughout all of this. Mm-hmm. And continue to sustain. Uh, I mean, the rules have been in place. They've been very, um, they've been very adamant about it. They haven't been, you know, lazy about any of it. Uh, horse racing continues uh, despite a lot of people uh, yelling and and doing those types of things. We're talking about the Florida Derby a couple of weeks ago. Why are you having it? Well, you know, they're continuing at racetracks around this country, and you know, so far they've been able to. Quarantine the staff and the people involved in that uh in that sport without a whole lot of uh negativity or a whole lot of bad things happening. So knock on wood, but I do think that it is a uh it's a good case moving forward when we talk about a lot of these teams or a lot of these leagues. How are we gonna get back? What are we gonna do? I, I think golf, I think NASCAR, sure. I do think tennis, I think a lot of these sports here where Not as much fan interaction, so to speak, as there is really. uh, There's a lot of separation and jockeys and the horses and the horse handlers. It's a very small knit group, right? So that's why I think when you look at that and you look at, let's say, the NBA skipping the season and just going to a 240 person, um, you know, with your your 16 teams and you they got eight, nine guys on the team and a coach, you know, it's. To me, I look at that and I'm going, this is, it's being done right now, guys. Like, do you understand? It's actually the quarantine moving forward with your sport is happening right now in this country, and it's called horse racing. And I don't think you have to look very far to realize look at what they've done and look at what they've been able to accomplish. And oh, yeah, still be safe enough and quarantined enough from the rest of the public where the public still gets to enjoy it, can't go watch it. But you know what? They're not. It's not wiping out the entire sport.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the critical question, Joe, is how many people are required to put this on?
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: right? And, like, we talked about, okay, the NFL with their 53-man rosters, like, that's going to be tough. And team personnel, right. the medical staff, the coaching staff, all the ancillary parts of team personnel. Um, you say the NBA is a little bit less than, say, a Major League Baseball roster, right? There's the 26-man roster now. An NHL team is a little bit less. An NBA team is a little bit less. That's why I mentioned even Ice Cube's big Mm -hmm. three-part forming tour, because that's a little bit less. And they're used to all kind of being in the same place at the same time. The entire league is already kind of a traveling league. We brought up things, examples like the NBA Summer League in Vegas, where everyone comes together for the precedent of this. And then you mentioned sports like, say, a tennis, golf, NASCAR. The question is how many people are, quote unquote, essential personnel to be able to get it out, right, to make it happen or have it be out on the public. And I guess in a certain way, horse racing is the least, right, because it's the animals and not even... The people necessarily, you know, obviously you need the jockeys, but the trainer's in a different spot. You can have these handlers, you can quarantine the people in a certain way. So um, I think that's what it comes down to, right? If you're spread out and how many people are required, that's Mm -hmm. why you golf like I've gone and in New York two weeks ago, I went and played golf and still was respecting social distance.
1: Yeah. You know, there are some sports, I think, that absolutely can make their return without There's always going to be blowback. No, you know whoever that first sport is. Certainly, the bigger, the more the blowback. Because some, you know, people just that's it. They'll just they'll stay inside for the next two years. And it's to each their own. But sports will eventually make it back to the field, to court, the arena. But I do think that uh, when you look at horse racing and what they've been able to accomplish and continue uh, to be able to race and continue to do those types of things, if anybody's ever been to a track, you know. Those barns are filled, you know, with millions upon millions of dollars worth of uh, horses there. And it's kind of hard to have just one person taking care of them. There is a lot that goes in behind the scenes at these tracks with these horses, owners, and everybody else. So it is being done. And there are some lessons that can be learned, certainly, uh, from that. And they've done a great job, Then, when you think about it, of maintaining their social de- and doing the things necessary in order to protect themselves and everybody around them. So, the, you know, guys in hazmat suits driving 200 miles an hour on a track with uh, five or six guys in a pit, uh, okay. I, I mean, the, I do think even UFC has made, how many times have we heard? I mean, I know Dana White was on that phone call over the weekend uh, with all the commissioners and with the, uh, of course, the president and, we all know Dana White, listen, if I can, he'll go to one of these states that don't have a stay at all more. like, he'll figure out a way to get sure. UFC back in. And, but again, like you said, how many people really have to be in the arena at the same time to put on a UFC event? I do think the ability for some of these sports to get back sooner rather than later will be, will be just that. They will be back sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, and I mean, every sport is different, right, in terms right. of the amount of personnel, it would take uh there are some sports that you know kind of respect social distancing mm-hmm. as a default and others that do not there are some that are open air state yes. sports there are some that are played indoors there are some that you could pick up and kind of move to another area a lot easier there are some individual sports versus team sports yes. there are so many like what the what the normal sports calendar is mm-hmm. You know whether, like we've been talking about, the difference of how the NFL can kind of wait it out right. versus NBA, they get caught right on the precipice of its playoff system. I think there's, a, and none of the solutions are going to fit everybody, right. Joe. You know no. what I mean? No, are no. right. You know what? Wait, you say the first to kind of come back, it will be a story. Yes. You know, it'll be a story, and you won't be able to please everybody all the time. In the same way that at the front end of this, if you remember, Joe, like there were uh, conference tournaments going on that week right before you know i what i would call it like when it started really in the sports world was when rudy gobert tested positive that's what forced a the nba to shut it down and then everybody pretty much to shut down within 24 or 48 hours but remember that day joe yes they were college conference tournaments that started the big east specifically and then literally in the first half of their saint john's versus creighton game they got word that you know boom this conference was shutting down. This conference was yeah. shutting down. Duke and Kansas weren't going to the March Madness, even if it was had. And so they then had some egg on their face for being the last ones to shut down. Yep. Right? And in the same way, there's going to be a similar kind of narrative around the first group to open up, regardless of what that looks like.
1: And I think it's interesting, too, because um, you know, you mentioned, I think there is a big difference between team sports and individual, and individual yeah. sports here. And I, and I do think that um, of the of mall, obviously, like we've seen with horse racing, these kinds of uh, individualized sports there are going oh. to be the ones that come back. Golf. And when you start getting into 30-team leagues and you start getting into all that, reg- it, that's going to be a lot tougher, I think, than if you're going to get 100 golfers to show up at a golf course with their caddies
0: spread out anyway. Right, right.
1: And spread out on it. I really do think we're going to be seeing uh, a lot more of the individuals, the UFC, some boxing, those kinds of things will in all likelihood make their way back sooner rather than later. So uh, and hopefully, listen, when it's all said and done here, guys, we'll we'll be a lot sooner and quicker to a worldwide somebody coming up with a, a vaccine, somebody being able to uh, help us in that right direction, that science will break through here. Uh, and the people who deal with some of the most um, effed up viruses and things and germs around the world uh, who do this for a living will uh, we'll figure it out and will beat it and be smarter uh, than it. So I hold out hope that uh, scientists, not just here in the U.S., but scientists around the world will, uh, will kick some serious coronavirus ass, Dane, before it is all said and done. And if I was a betting man, I would absolutely go ahead and put some money down on, uh, on science there being able to get the better of this, uh, of this particular virus because hell of a lot less technology back in the day, Dan, and we, we did a pretty damn good job of uh, starting Spanish flu, poly, I mean, you go down okay. it here, guys. Um, science is usually one with a, less lo- with a lot less, shall we say, um, tools at their disposal here. So uh, I think it's gonna be done, and I think it's gonna be done sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I'm a fan of science. The question yep. is, will science be listened to by the well, public? Yeah,
1: that's it. Right, it a
0: different right. Topic yeah. for a different, you know yep. what I want, Joe? I'll mm-hmm. tell you what I really want. You know, some, one of these rich people out here who mm-hmm. have, like, their own island in the Caribbean, Joe? Yes. You know what I mean? Like, why doesn't Mark Cuban right now be like, you know what? I got this, guys. Mm-hmm. I got a little island off of Belize that we could all use. Let's charter my plane. We'll fly the Mavs and three other teams to my island, and we can make it pop off, and we'll and we'll have a tournament there. Yep. Like, why hasn't that happened yet? That's what I really You bring want. up
1: a great point. Like, You know t- what I mean? Tell me, like, you wouldn't watch, let's say. I'd watch anything right watch now. Watch Zion go up against, I don't what? know, Anthony Davis on a one-on-one. I mean, tell me we wouldn't watch that right now, right?
0: what it is, you know. I, right. I, I watch, like, those old, remember when they have, like, those Superstars competitions with the tug of wars and the obstacle courses. Get me! Remember when we they, they had a tournament? Uh, I think it was last summer, Joe. Right. To find the fastest man in the NFL. Remember that? Yep. And they were all running 40s against each other. I'll take a guy against a horse right now, right. against a cheetah. I don't care. Give me Kobayashi and Joey Chestnut eating hot dogs right well,
1: now. Well, uh, listen, that there matters. there are there are people watching a dude do push-ups online right now. Like I can't. Okay. Like I'm just I'm blown away with. What, what we have resorted to at this particular point, but I do think the, you're, worried about, so you're worried about people being, you know, a lot of people congregating. Well, I need, a, I need somebody to hold the camera phone, I need Zion versus I don't care who it is, a one-on-one, both tested, both free to go, right? Okay, right. and just give me that. I mean, I, I would do anything to see uh, Carmelo go up against somebody, you know what I mean? Don't absolutely. need a lot of people. They're like don't need anybody. Uh, but if and they're that's what they're gonna try and figure out, right? I, They've gotta yeah, figure out in Absolutely. The absolutely how absolutely. many people does it take
0: to put this on. Right. And we're gonna probably get very creative. And you know there are going to be some interim steps, Joe, before pickup
1: games, those yeah. kinds of like
0: before, yes. like as the president said, fans coming back in August and September. Before the public feels comfortable yes. uh, coming to an arena, there will be some interim steps.
1: Uh, I hope so. For us. Yep. Because uh, I do think there is an opportunity there for right. some guys to be oh, able to. Yeah, I think uh, as we, uh, you know, as that curve starts to flatten a little bit, I, I, I'm hoping we do see some of those individual. T- Hell, I'd even watch him just shoot around. You know what I mean? Um, I, I can't watch a dude doing push-ups like it's like a, one guy's eating Big Macs. I'm like, I just, I can't. I can't even wrap my head that that's where we're at right now. I mean, I love reality TV, but my word is this just uh, some of the reality TV we're getting right now is absolutely brutal, man. Absolutely brutal.
0: Listen, I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel myself on what we're watching. I still got to get to that Tiger King. Movie. Oh, yes. I am. Now I've seen more of the. Uh more of kind of the ads for it and more of the other interviews. Oh, it's all over,
1: dude.
0: I am somewhat familiar. I think my man looks just like Kenny Powers from the old HBO series where you strike everybody out. But I digress, right? Absolutely. I've even seen proposals, Joe, Mm -hmm. where let's say there is some kind of like quarantine bubble of athleticism that's happening. I've also heard like adding like the reality TV element to it. Because yes. they'd all be living together in the same damn hotel, like whether it's like the real world or, you know, Big Brother, those kinds of things that yep. if they have, you know, 50 athletes together and they're playing NBA games or whatever it is, yep. then the cameras are there and they're in this quarantine bubble. Might as well have the cameras rolling 24-7.
1: Absolutely, guys. I mean, it's um, – and I do think we're going to start to see towards the end of April, maybe beginning of May, I, I think those types of things are going to – uh, those things are going to happen here. I, I, I truly believe UFC will be back as soon as possible. Again, that, that fight is set for, what, a couple of weeks now? We, 18th
0: is the supposed date of Khabib and Ferguson. But as we know, Khabib is stuck in Russia. We'll see yes, what happens.
1: That's not going to happen. But maybe first week in May, second week in May. I mean, as of right now, baseball left it out as, what, May 10th? Um, nobody's changed anything yeah the draft is still uh the draft is still coming, and what we learned of course over the weekend is that uh many teams are prepping right now for the draft by creating uh the home offices for that matter i mean really they're setting up in their own homes here a lot of these teams uh prepping to be these individual little war rooms uh that they plan on doing i mean this is going to be the ultimate fantasy draft that that we have ever seen here in a professional level day where this right. is truly going to be a bunch of dudes sitting home, with their computer's up, man, laptops on, and yeah. Going, yeah, and doing the work, and that's it. They're going to be drafting their teams. It's kind of crazy to think about it, but my word. I mean, all of us who have ever been in a fantasy draft, we're yeah. going to be able to relate to what this, uh, what this NFL draft is going to be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think that's a great analogy, Joe, right? In a fantasy football or a fantasy mm-hmm. baseball team, would you like to all come together at a bar yes, and draft yes. together?
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: But every single time there's someone who winds up doing it remotely on the computer anyway, right? That's correct. I had a friend once in my longtime dynasty league. He was literally going on a birthright trip and did the draft on the plane on the way to Israel, Joe. There you go. uh, So it can be done. And that's what it comes down to the same question I asked you at the top of the segment. Right. How many people does it take to put this on? And you don't need anyone together to put that on between the Skype and the Zoom and all the stuff that we're seeing the same way you watching us right now are raising a cocktail glass to your friends in another state doing via Zoom or FaceTime or Skype or whatever it is. Joe, we talk about us in the home offices, right? You know, I'm in New York, you're in Miami. We put this on together. And that's what the NFL draft will look like, okay? There will be a virtual draft room for every team, which in essence just means Skyping with the GM or Skyping with the representative of whoever it is. And then you could do the same thing for the 20, the 25, however many people would have been invited to the green room there in Vegas to be able to walk the red carpet, you could have fun with this, and you you know you virtually connect with them. Yep. They can still show their damn outfit, whatever it is, and then you sit down and have the five minute interview with them. As a television product, it will look largely the same.
1: It's going to be exactly the same. I mean, about we're still going to be able to figure out who who's going where, who's going what, where does two go? Like the fireworks, I think will still be there. The anticipation. Between picks will still be there, but instead of uh, a couple of cameras and a green room and guys in the, st- it's just going to be a lot of people individually uh, at home, uh, connected uh, via the internet, connected via technology. And you know, when you think about it, Dane, it's kind of crazy that we are at a point in uh, in civilization here where we're able to take a pandemic like this and still have. Uh, the ability to do many of the things that we normally do anyway, uh, but and that's because of technology. So it's, it's kind of crazy. This whole thing has been crazy, but the NFL, it's happening. The draft, it's happening, and it's going to look a lot like you did when you drafted your fantasy football team with your buddies. Okay. We'll have more on that coming up next year on The Grid, sportsgrid.com.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Hey guys, welcome back in here to the early line on the grid. It is SportsGrid.com. He is Dane Martinez. I'm Joe Ranieri. As we Continue down this uh down this path of the sports world as sports investors uh around the world and sports fans uh continue to uh hope, pray, wait, Dane until we get uh some assemblance and some direction as to when can we get sports back? When will it be back? And uh what we got over the weekend was a whole lot of what-ifs and um, hopefully uh, scenarios that right. may or may not come to fruition. And uh, I would just caution folks that remember that even with all of this, guys, even with all that is going on right now, it has still been just a month. I know it feels like it's been six months, uh, but it's been just a month. And uh, I don't think there's any need for the NBA to make any definitive stance or one way or the other, Major League Baseball, hockey, uh, all of it's still on the table as the uh, because of what a fluid situation this always is, Dane. Uh, but we do know that uh, there are some things that uh, have been pushed back here over this last month. And we've talked about it uh, in the NFL alone with some of these stadiums, these new stadiums, two monster new stadiums. They are one in Vegas and, of course, one uh, for both the Rams and the Chargers. Uh, they may have to extend uh, that, uh, that finishing day, too, as well, because I don't know that that's going to happen either.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Remember, SoFi Stadium, which is being uh, built right now mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, which, by the way, is one of the, the hot spots, right? Yep. We got news on this. Um, late last week, the COO of the Rams, Kevin Demoff, um, actually said, and I quote, this is not the time you want to be finishing a stadium in this environment as you prepare. Because it's when you need all hands to be on deck, walking through the building every day, meeting with your staff, working out the kinks and planning for it. So when you've been building something for a few years, you'd love an optimal environment to finish it. This is going to be super challenging. That's the quote from the COO of the Rams and think about it. It's just common sense, right? And the same thing in Las Vegas. If they've shut down the Strip, if Los Angeles is an epicenter, it's going to be very hard to bring construction teams together to finish this. With the stadium, uh, SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, Joe, the kind of, um, the, the opening of that stadium, right. the first major event that mm-hmm. was supposed to happen, or at least was scheduled to happen, was in late July, Joe. In, yep. On July 25th, A Taylor Swift concert was supposed to kind of christen the new stadium. You talk about big business. Taylor Swift is pretty big business also, okay, Joe? And so I think what we've been talking about with some of these leagues, right, is like uh, there's a deadline to be able to finish the regular season. There's a deadline to be able to get the playoffs in and not compromise next season or whatever the case may be, right? Be able to have the draft in its normal spot, whatever it is. Um... That's the same case with the construction of some of these arenas, Joe. Mm-hmm. You know, so like they're probably reaching out. You know, to t- Stan Kroenke might be on the phone to Taylor Swift's people, being like, "Listen, if we get the building done in the next three weeks, you can make it happen. If we don't, you're gonna have to start looking for another venue." And then again, I do not know the status of the Taylor Swift like world tour anyway, because maybe buildings across this world yep. are shutting down. But that was supposed to be kind of the grand opening, and that would be the first domino to fall that would put, you know, the Rams and the Chargers kind of in peril of being able to complete uh, their season in their new stadium.
1: Yeah, and then that is, of course, also something that uh, we know there with the NFL will be working on and and trying to figure out. It's so fluid. Uh, I know the the president, of course, uh, on his phone call over the weekend with all the commissioners. Um, one of the things that come out of that phone call was that he fully anticipates the NFL to start on time in September, uh, and that he expects you know fans to follow shortly after that, which is you know which is all great, uh, except for the fact that you know science and uh, the reality of the situation will dictate exactly if that is possible. Yeah, and you know what? I, I mean, listen, the the experts, the scientists, that will eventually it will play itself out and we'll all figure it out. But as of right now, in the beginning of April, yeah, the NFL should, I mean, you know, the, the purpose and the intention is, of course, get back to some semblance of normalcy as soon as possible. Uh, a lot of ifs need to fall into place, but yes, it should, uh, it should be September. We know the draft is coming. Uh, we know the draft is coming up for certain. We know that's going to be. So, and then, you know, shortly after the draft, and even by the time the draft comes, Dan, we'll have a whole new set of understanding by the time April 23rd comes. Okay. We'll be that much closer. And again, think about where we were 30 days ago to what we know now and how crazy things have changed one way or the other uh, since then. Plus, we'll have three weeks, a month's worth of more data coming in. We know more people getting tested now than ever before. So, there's a lot of things happening at a very rapid pace here, and we got an entire world all working together for the first time. And I can't remember how, if ever, uh, you got the entire world on the same page here trying to, get, uh, trying to get this done. We are all on the same team, and we got one common enemy, and we're going to eventually kick its ass here. It's just about how fast it happens.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you talk about people working together and we just talked about some of the other implications of this whether it be stadium construction mm-hmm. or otherwise. You know, Joe, one other thing that happened over the weekend that I saw that was kind of interesting. We've been talking for the better part of the last few weeks about say a guy like Tua and how or a guy like Cam Newton and how they weren't able to be checked out by team right Boston, right that that being kind of a um, a sticking point, shall we say, you know, or incomplete information. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, over the weekend we came out, Pittsburgh Steelers tight end now, a new Pittsburgh Steelers tight end, mm-hmm. Eric Ebron, um, was signed recently. Yep. Um, and remember, he's coming off a big injury. Lend, uh, you know, Ended last year with the Indianapolis Colts on injured reserve. Had ankle surgery in the offseason. And it was intriguing to me, Joe, Wanted to get your take on it. He said in an interview that um, he's still not 100%. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that... He doesn't think he'd be able to go full go right now in OTAs or training camp. I know it is still April, but I found that interesting because the Pittsburgh Steelers did sign him. He did finalize that contract with Pittsburgh. And, you know, like they're saying that both the Steelers and, you know, Ebron allowed this kind of third party local doctor to give him the once over and clear him. And now the player himself is coming out and saying, listen, I'm not 100 percent yet. I thought it was very interesting. We had talked before, Joe, about, you know, not having your own team doctors get to press the flesh. And we see all the time, whether it's Eli Apple already this year, Anthony Barr last year, some of these contracts that we think are in place don't all the way go to fruition. Sometimes it's medical. Sometimes it's financial. I think it's interesting that Eric Ebron himself is coming out saying like, hey, I'm not 100 percent. But the Steelers already are committed because they approved this independent doctor overview and report.
1: Yeah, I listen, and I don't think it's just the Steelers. I think there is uh Yeah, there's a lot of that uh that would not surprise me at all going on uh, around the clock here in the NFL. I think it's happened it's been going on forever. Even with the whole CTE stuff, right? I mean, what if the doctors were on the team's payroll, they weren't on the NFL payroll, right? right? So they got to say who pulled the plug and who didn't get to pull the plug. And, you know, being, a, being the doctor of a professional football team, I can't think of just it, it, ridiculous, right? I mean, absolutely ridiculous. So it wasn't until the NFL stepped in, uh, you know, over the last couple of years to try and, uh, you know, put a handle on that. But I think still money talks, BS walks. I think that's a fact of life in the NFL that, Got to get used to there, man. I mean, uh, it's, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be yeah, interesting right. to see. I, listen, I think in baseball it's the same way too. Who gets Tommy John? Who doesn't? Go for a third opinion. Go. The sure. Jets have been horrific with that. With uh, right. with guys, right? It's like they want me to play. They don't want me to play. My guy. It's like, ah, uh, well, who's right? Well, the guy who's paying your check is probably going to get uh, sure. somebody in his corner telling you you need to play.
0: And it's interesting, right? And I bring up the Eric Ebron tale mm-hmm. because third-party person, a uh, local doctor approved it, and the Steelers were like, alright, that's good enough for us. us that's, that's right, that's yes. That's good enough for us as a clean bill of health. And Eric Ebron, you know, he's not the the headline in the NFL, but we're talking about this, Joe, as it relates to a guy like Cam Newton. We're talking right. about this, Joe, as it relates to Tua Tagovailoa going into the draft, yeah. right? And I just know it's interesting about how are they going, how are these teams going to get the information on medical when you can't travel, when you can't do this? And the Steelers opted to like sign off on a local doctor. And now Eric Ebron is saying, oh, I don't know. You know, so does that mean there are teams out there, the Dolphins, the Chargers, others that are going to just sign off on what they hear? From local doctors on Tua or from a different doctor on Tua? are the Chargers or the Jaguars or whoever it is gonna just sign off on a local independent or a third party doctor that says yeah cams ankles or his Achilles is okay I think it begs the question and we're gonna see a lot more of this than in previous years
1: yeah you also have of course the um, <laughs> here comes the uh, this time of uh, year of course over the next couple of weeks the uh, the misinformation train uh, continuing right. to uh, to roll on here, and uh, one of those, uh, one of that, uh, one of the things we heard actually over the weekend was how uh, Miami is is cooled off on the idea of Tua, and oh, okay. that they are not necessarily uh, sold uh, like everybody else is now. And of course, we oh. told you Tua is doing everything in his power: a lot of media, a lot what? of posting, interviews, trying to tell everyone how healthy he is. Uh, and meantime, uh, and listen, I have no doubt that there are some teams. I think that, yeah, I, they're not willing to risk. They might think he's good, not willing to risk the, uh, you know, the, the health issue. He hasn't played one full year in college, not one full season, right. as he played without getting hurt, having a surgery afterwards, and he's not a, t- you know, he's not a, uh, shall we say. Um, he's not exactly um kind Man. of like he's like uh he's like bird of the yankees you know what i mean the wind blew he stubbed his toe he's out 6 months kind of thing uh he's a little tougher than that but i will and i know the knock on to it he played behind the best offensive line in all of college football got hit one, only gets hit a handful of times and he's still hurt at the end of the uh at the end of the year so there is some concern there and also, there is a lot of concern when you look at the draft class of wide receivers that he had the last two years there. You're going to have four number one draft picks in, right. in in the wide receiver spot. So, there's a lot of questions about, is he really even that good without that kind of talent around him? You know, I mean, he was afforded the best talent in the world in, in all of college football. And, yeah, he still couldn't stay upright and what do you do if you take that away from him what are you going to do on a Cincinnati Bengals team like what are you going to do I I get it but as far as the best quarterback we've ever seen which is how some guys are labeling it Mm -hmm. I don't know about that man I don't ask Clemson they did a pretty good job of making him not the best quarterback they've ever seen
0: yeah I think you make a great point about the talent that he was with in that offense in Alabama you had Josh Jacobs yeah to be a thousand yard rusher in his rookie season (laughs) with the Oakland Raiders when they were still Oakland. You talk about the wide receivers he's had. Calvin Ridley has yep. been an emerging yep. uh, wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. And now we expect Judy and Ruggs to go in the top, say, 15 picks. In the NFL draft, you know about the kind of offensive linemen that Alabama churns out left and right, including one of the top four that we're talking about, these four blue chip offensive linemen Um, in this NFL draft. The kid Wills, who I'd be happy if the Jets still had him available at number 11. And then you talk about kind of the health concerns. And when I think when you put this all together, Joe, Mm -hmm. it's just a question of like, will he get drafted pretty high? Of course, because it's so needy to be a quarterback. Right. Of course. The question is, will what team is willing to invest the level of draft capital that it would take to get to him? Right. Is he worth a top five pick It's the same as when we talk about, say, like Melvin Gordon in the running back market? he's going to get a job. Someone's going to sign him. But was it at the price that he wanted? We say the same thing about Jadavion Clowney. Like, of course he's worth it. But is he worth it at $20 million a year? That's a different question, right? So is Tua worth it? Yes, of course he is. But is he worth it at that premier draft position where you as the GM are going to be tied to him for the next decade? Are you willing to risk your professional future, with incomplete information now on the prospects of Tua Tagovailoa. And
1: listen, it's a fair criticism, guys. It really, really is. I mean, he's, uh, he's shown his time in college to be one of, uh, you know, it's given the assets and given the talent around him, that's great, but you couldn't stay healthy and you couldn't stay on the field a lot of times. And, oh, yeah, by the way, you had the best damn offensive weapons and one of the best defenses of uh, in college. So, and the best coach. So, yeah, I mean, there, I think there's a reason why when it comes to the NFL and Alabama quarterbacks, and I know they're looking at this, Dane. Teams yep. and scouts are really looking at this. There are some yep. players that you get from Alabama that are just a cut above everyone else, and they're usually on the defensive side of the ball the offensive side of the ball we get a lot of wear and tear on running backs coming out and oh yeah there hasn't been a great quarterback out of Alabama in for since Joe Namath like i mean there's <laughs> yeah. exactly i mean there's but there's a reason for that i think is because yeah. what we think they are versus what they are outside of Alabama it doesn't translate to the NFL they're that in Alabama because it's Alabama. You, you ain't going to be like that going to the Cincinnati Bengals.
0: I'll take that even a step further. You know, mm-hmm. we're talking about tour right now. I right. forget if it was with you, Joe, or another show on this network or even on Fantasy Freestyle where we tried to figure out, like, if the SEC right. had to play the rest of the NFL, right, right? Uh, with, like, an, a team of only SEC alumni, mm-hmm. they'd be able to beat an all-star team of NFL players from every other conference. Right, right. Like, and and the SEC alumni would be dominant in a lot of positions. Right on the line, they'd be dominant at some of the skill positions. They'd be dominant. Yep. In, at the running back position and defense, they'd be dominant. But I went through the exercise. Right. I tried to identify who would be the like SEC alumni quarterback right now in the NFL. Right. Do you know who it would be? I could give you two options of who the best. SEC quarterback is that graduated from an, you know, uh, in the NFL right now that graduated from an SEC school. You can't even like automatically come up
1: with it. it. Yeah, can't. It won't. And
0: I'm gonna say, is it Mallet? No, there what? are two starting NFL quarterbacks right now. Two starting that, that from the uh, yeah from the SEC that are legit quality
1: NFL quarterbacks. All right. Well, hold on, hold on. Don't do it. We'll get to that one we'll coming to me because I'm gonna figure this out here in a second. Two legitimate starters from the SEC right now. In the NFL. In the NFL? Yes. That oh, I can't wait. Completely
0: legitimate. But, you know, it, it's where they would be weak. And I think, you're, like you say it about Tua, it's interesting. The SEC quarterbacks always have the best offensive line. Always have the best defenses in
1: tow. All right, hold think on. Who it? do you guys I think it, think it is? Break. We'll get it on the way back. Unbelied to SEC quarterbacks. I can't even think. There's two I can think of. All right, guys, welcome back in here to The Grid, SportsGrid.com. He is Dane Martinez. I'm Joe Ranieri as uh, we continue to push along here with some of the uh, headlines from around the world uh, in sports. And we've been talking, of course, about the upcoming draft in the NFL and uh, how the misinformation train has begun. And uh, one of those storylines, of course, was Tua uh, Tagliavola not being, um, maybe, right. shall we say, on the top of the Miami Dolphins list. that. There are some reports that they have cooled off a little bit on the whole idea of Tua. Now, they sit in the number five spot. So, uh, there are some who believe that um, if anybody's going to jump anybody, they're jumping them because of the Dolphins, that somebody's going to have to move up and go get Tua. Because if he does land to the Dolphins at five, of course, the Dolphins would take him. So, the Chargers and anybody else that you think might be in that ballpark, or even any of the teams before Uh, The Miami Dolphins, who you think might actually take Tua, is all on the table. But it's not all sunshine and puppy dogs and roses for him. We talked about some of his. You're an Alabama quarterback, Dane, which in history tells us you're not that good, all right? You're you're good in college because it's Alabama and because of the talent surrounding you, but you haven't been able to stay healthy. Um, And congratulations. uh, We've seen you. Get crushed in some big games with some equal competition. So you're not going to the Alabama in the NFL. You're going to go to a struggling franchise in all likelihood. Exactly. So I, I get the question, Marks. But before we left, uh, when, we last, uh, when we were last talking here last segment, you had mentioned that mm-hmm. look, two starting quarterbacks in the SEC right now in the NFL? Because there aren't a lot. So you're saying two right now. And Who that, are that's
0: they? What you're talking about, right? Joe? right. The, the idea of Tua gets the benefit of the Alabama offense, right. Alabama defense. Joe Burrow, who's projected to be the number one overall pick, would be the same thing, an SEC yep. quarterback going, you know, some people think that the O-line he had at LSU might be better than the O-line for Cincinnati.
1: That's a good point. Right? Yep. Now yep. That's a, a good point, coach. yep.
0: That is something to think about when evaluating these quarterbacks. Literally, go team by team, Joe, and there's only, in my opinion, two legit starting quarterbacks in the NFL that came from SEC schools. We talked about it before the break. Hopefully you thought of them throughout the commercial break. Do you want to take guesses or you want me to just tell
1: you, Joe? I, I Well, tell you what, give me... um Hey, let me ask you this. How long have they been in the league uh, collectively? You know, it's
0: definitely a veteran. One a veteran, his, okay. In his 30s, and one of them... Let's put it this way, Joe. One of them is, is, you know, in the narrative, in the news right now being talked about. Okay. Another one is a established veteran quarterback who has been with his team his entire career.
1: All right. So go ahead. I I'm, I'm right. can't wait to hear who this is now.
0: OK, so the veteran who has been there the entire career is Matthew Stafford.
1: Uh, he went Georgia. to Georgia. Ah, you're right. OK. Yep. He was the
0: number one overall pick. Went to Georgia, has been there. But, you know, I don't know. Like, if we're forming all-star teams and you have to resort to Stafford being your starting quarterback, you're probably not winning. Yes. Uh, You know, and the other one is younger, Joe, and has been in the news a lot lately. And it is Dallas Cowboys quarterback.
1: Wow, that's right. Yes. Okay, who,
0: remember, went to Mississippi State. But if you think about this, all these other quarterbacks, you get a lot of Big Twelve quarterbacks, you get Big Ten quarterbacks, you get Pac Twelve quarterbacks, you get quarterbacks like you know Deshaun Watson and Matt Ryan who are from ACC scores. Yep. Okay. You get a lot of small school quarterbacks even who take the jump. Big Ben takes the jump. Yep. Carson Wentz takes the jump. Yep. Okay. And but it is very few quarterbacks who are in the SEC. With that brand of football and that recruiting strength, whether it's at the playmaker position or in the trenches, who then go on and to really dominate in the NFL. Offensive linemen do it all the time, wide receivers, other mm-hmm. skill positions, defensive players do it all the time. But it is not normal, necessarily, for stud quarterbacks in the SEC to translate to the NFL. Joe, you and I have both said, you know, in the last month, that we kind of like Justin Herbert's play in the NFL a lot. We've talked about Tua and at times had questions. We've talked about Joe Burrow and at times have had questions. That's right. And I would actually say that the pedigree, the experience, uh, kind of supports our point.
1: Yeah, I, and, I mean, just Alabama alone. And, listen, being from the SEC is one thing. Being from Alabama is a different sure. world, guys. Just because they're always going to be, and that's the hardest thing to project about those guys, isn't it? The players that we know that turn out to be absolute studs in the NFL, no brainers and and the guys you take a shot on or anybody on the defensive side of the ball. They're usually grown ass men anyway, you know what I mean, in me Alabama. Yes, I'll take It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'll give me a safety, give me a linebacker, give me anything you got on the Alabama defensive side of the ball. The running backs get used and abused. Uh we know this. Uh Derrick Henry is uh, is you know, congratulations. But if you guys don't remember how Derrick Henry was used at Alabama, uh, my word. I mean, the the history Richardson, of Alabama running backs.
0: Trent Richardson. Three, four years. Eddie yeah, Lewis.
1: you'll get three or four years Pittsburgh. out of him, and then they'll get crushed. So you know, it's uh, you're never going to give them that second contract, which is kind of what Tennessee is going through right now. Wide receivers, very good. Sure. You know what I mean? Because either you can. You can flat out play when you go to Alabama. You want to go to the NFL, which is why you go to Alabama if you're a wide receiver. Quarterbacks, though, all of what we just talked about makes you look a million times better than what you really are. And the one thing we know beyond a shadow of a doubt is that given that talent, certainly on the offensive line, uh, here's a kid that still could not stay healthy, uh, still could not you know, remain on the field and say what you want about Tua, now, uh, say what you want about Herbert. Uh, you know what I mean? Never's taking a snap under center. Yes. Right. But guys, take that into consideration. Like, we we understand the, the curve here. I don't know whether or not, too, his game is ever going to translate uh, into the NFL. So if you're telling me a team's a little, uh, I don't know about that, I can agree. I, I don't buy this whole thing that he is a flat out the best quarterback we're going to see ever. Three years, I watched Joe Burrow throw 15 interceptions and couldn't make it to Ohio State. He goes to LSU, has a year of his life. Now, what are we going to get, Dan? If I'm Cincinnati, am I getting Joe Burrow last year or am I getting the first three years of Joe Burrow that I watched in college? These are legitimate questions that teams should have. And I'm not sure that the best quarterback in this draft isn't a kid named Bryce Love that's probably going to go in the middle to late rounds. And in three years, we might be looking at all of those teams that passed on love it than, be, than uh, anybody else, right? I mean, so that's the reality of it. High-profile uh, high guys coming out of college, very yeah. few outside of Andrew Luck, who even went to Stanford, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, Peyton Manning. You know, Jameis Winston was, woo! But he was
0: in ACC school. Remember, Florida State was an ACC school. Not right, an- but
1: those high-profile oh, yeah. guys that, you know, <laughs> wow, set all these records. Yeah. It's a 50% proposition, Joe, well, right?
0: And that's off. even why some of these GMs wanted to push the draft back, because yep. it was already a 50% proposition that they'd hit, right. and now they don't have a pro day. Now they don't have medical. Now they don't have yep. the team visit, you know? And that further dilutes their chances of getting it right. You know, and you're, you're absolutely right, Joe. Could it be, you know, maybe Tua or Burrow, but, you know, we are talking about guys like Justin Herbert. There are second or third-round draft picks every single year, Joe, mm-hmm. that get a shot then at the NFL level, right? Dak right. Scott being one of them. Russell Wilson yep. being one of them. The Jaguars have turned the keys right. over to Gardner Minshew as a, as, as a sixth-round point. pick. Yep. So who knows? Maybe it is a Jacob Eason yes. who turns out. Uh, Three years from now as a second or third round pick to be a guy who's starting somewhere and Tua is out of the league all of these things are possible.
1: Absolutely and again a lot of misinformation maybe Miami loves him but somebody wants us to believe that Miami doesn't love them right now for whatever reason that may be so uh, and I think we're going to have a lot more of that over the next couple of weeks when it comes to uh, when it comes to the draft so. Uh, the NFL always, uh, from now, is going to be a spin machine. Especially the less, and we always laugh about this. Dan is that how convinced some people are of the storylines and things that they hear? Yeah. um, That they don't realize that it's just it's total ridiculousness. Nice. For instance, I'll give you this: um, the Browns are apparently the front runners for Clowney, and <laughs> the reason they're the front runners for Clowney is because being able to get rid of Olivier Vernon's contract, they apparently. We know what his asking price was, and we talked about how he's come down off of that $20 million mark. But from what we understand is that the Browns right now are the ones who can offer him the most money out of the teams that are interested, including Tennessee and, uh, and Seattle. So they have at least a little you know, wiggle room there. It's not what he wants, but it's more than what anybody else could give them. And I'm sorry, Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney, um, Holy crap uh, that could very well be a big storyline coming over the next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah absolutely remember we talked about this you and I are sort of on the train that we think you know all the hype was a, a year early on right. Cleveland, and now it's Stefanski there as the head coach they may be doing it the right way you know what I yeah. mean and, and so that would be another kind of feather in their cap on the defensive side of the ball. 43
1: million by the way in cap space number one okay. in the NFL right now left. I, Left. What did
0: you yep. just say, Joe, right? Like, it depends at what price. Maybe yes. he'd have takers at $20, 21 million, Right, 21000000 But when you compare it to, say, the deal that Zadarius Smith got last year, right, $16, 17000000 Maybe it's more palatable for some. We've heard Tennessee. We've heard potentially the Jets. But, yes, Cleveland has money to spend and may want to make a splash. The other part of this, one of the things that also happened over the weekend, mm-hmm. Joe, remember the Seattle Seahawks were still contenders. Yes. To Davion Clowney's uh, services. They went out, though, and kind of – they figured out their backup plan. Right. You know what I mean? And they – they were like, "Hey, we don't know about this, but let's let's get the bird in the hand rather than two in the bush." Yep. And they went out and signed Benson Mayoya. Yes. Uh, Mayoya. I got to get that pronunciation. You got right. that. Yep. He had seven sacks last year with the Raiders. Okay, okay? and they signed him to a 1-year, 3 million dollar contract. You remember also earlier in the free agency period, they brought back Bruce Irvin.
1: Yes, they right? did. Yep. And so
0: technically, they have two edge rushers now. Are they the Kind of sizzle names yep. of Clowney or Miles Garrett. No, but you know they are kind of making sure they have their backup plan in place. I don't know that it precludes them from spending 16, 17 million on a guy like Jadavion Clowney. Right. But they're they're making sure that they're taken care of, whether they wind up with Clowney or not.
1: Yeah, no, it's um it's interesting, and they if they drop Olivier Vernon, guys, which it could very well happen. They'll have even more money to spend. So that means that they'll actually be able to give Clowney what he wants if they so decide to do that. But right now, right. they're in a financial position where they could give him more money than just about anybody else. And guys, that is freaking scary if you're gonna yeah. throw him on the other side there of uh, you know, of Miles Garrett. So that's, that is something to keep an eye on and that's uh, what we're hearing now. So that'll be, and we haven't heard from them, like you said, making the smart economical decisions, the yeah. smart under the radar decisions but they could end up landing that fish. And if they do guys, that's going to be a very, very interesting uh, division there and see how that, uh, see how that rolls out. I did want to mention, of course, over the weekend, uh, congratulations to uh, not only Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett, but of course, Kobe Bryant, uh, all announced uh, that they uh, will be inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame there for the NBA. it, it, no surprise, obviously, for uh, for Kobe. I know his uh, Vanessa, his wife, had come out and said that um, you know we're all very proud of him, and we wish he was here to be able to enjoy this. But I think it was all but a – was. We already knew he was going to be inducted this year, um, and his, and rightfully so. But you know Tim Duncan and Garnett too, uh, two guys that were. They're all first time, I believe. Was uh, Garnett was uh, first-time nominees, right? All of them, and there isn't, even a, there isn't even a question mark, I think, on uh, any of them. You needed 18 of 24 votes to get uh, from the committee to be elected, and obviously not hard. A 20-year career for Kobe, fantastic. When you look at Duncan, played 19 years, five championship rings. Oh, yeah, with the same damn franchise again. Him and Kobe are kind of in that. Uh, class, and kind of the last generation of that. Spend 20 years with the same team. Uh, Garnett, 12 seasons uh, for the Timberwolves. First 12 seasons with the Timberwolves. Then, of course, uh, you know, moving on to the Celtics. Um, 15-time All-Star. I, what are you, all three What you? guys, they don't even know what to say about it. Every one of them a legend in their own right, and every one of them fully deserving to be in the Naismith Hall of Fame. Congratulations to all three and their families.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I even think some uh, names like Tamika Catchings. Yes, I also yes. Yep. Tom Bonavich,
1: at, Yep, yep. You know, the,
0: the, it, obviously, you know, you talk about how like a month ago seems like an eternity ago, Joe. You know, Kobe Bryant passed away. Yes. At this point, what two months ago, and yep. it's like it just seems so far in a rearview mirror. At this point, there were literally flowers on the streets of Los Angeles. Only what two months ago. You know, and so if that's any kind of context for how time is standing still for us yep. in this time and, you know, and absolutely um, all of them very deserving. I'll tell you what, you know, Tim Duncan, there was always kind of these barbershop bar kind of conversations yep. about the best player of, say, like our generation depending yep. on how you would define it. And <laughs> I always thought that Tim Duncan was underrepresented. In that conversation, Joe, I mean, you talked about it, more championships, you know, more MVP awards, you know, than like almost than even Kobe. I, I honestly believe the case can be made, Joe, that Tim Duncan is the greatest power forward of yep. all time. Yep. Yes, I said it. The greatest power forward of all time. Yep. and absolutely deserves to be enshrined on the first ballot. He went about it so quietly, right? His nickname was the big fundamental, for goodness sakes. Yep. You know, he, 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 he made like the bank shot in Vogue And he wasn't a wing player that would be fancy dunking on people. He was in the same era as a guy like Shaq, who was dominant in a completely different way. So I really think that Tim Duncan doesn't get—I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. He's getting that credit and where credit is due. But I always felt like he didn't get the full recognition because of the way he went about his business, so quiet and being fundamental basketball uh, for almost 20 years, like you said— but kudos to Tim Duncan. I tip, it, I tip my cap. The greatest power forward of all time. Yeah, one family. of my
1: guys that's uh, on that um, Mount Rushmore of the uh, NBA is definitely a name that I would put up there. Uh, only player in NBA history to have a 1,000 wins or more wow. with one team. With one team. Two-time MVP, five-time uh, obviously world champion. Uh, so much to get into. We'll do more of that as, uh, as the week goes on here. August 29th, that enshrinement ceremony still set up, but obviously that can change, okay. which brings up some interesting questions about some of the Hall of Fame voting for Major League Baseball. We'll get into all of that as the week progresses. But in the meantime, you got more of the uh, of the programming coming up here on the grid and come back and join Dane and I will be back again uh, tomorrow morning getting you set up for another day so be safe be well we'll talk to you again tomorrow
2: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com